When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers. 630 Chad. Stood up there by McDavid and Maroon, and now Everly breaks free. Drop pass, McDavid to the net. Reed shot, score! And that'll put it away. Connor McDavid with his That was the exclamation point late in the third period on a 6-3 Oilers victory over the Philadelphia Flyers. Connor McDavid leads the way with a goal and two assists. Sidney Crosby also with a big night. He got career point number 1,000. Briefly was ahead of Connor McDavid in the scoring race. McDavid is able to retake it. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 10-15 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. The Oilers do fill the net. Six goals. That means a $150 donation courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. It goes to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Booster Juice gives 25 bucks for every goal throughout the season. And the total now up to $4,175. And all of a sudden, Rob, a few days ago, we were talking about the Oilers' lack of scoring. Now they uh, come alive for 11 goals over their last two games. Well, it's one of the things that we try to stress after the games is don't get too high when things go well. Don't get too low when they don't because in the course of the season, it all seems to even out. The Oilers had that great stretch where they against Anaheim, Calgary, and Calgary where everything was going in the net. Then they have the... the, the the lull where it, it, all of a sudden everyone seemed to be snake bitten and here we are going again in the other direction uh, the Oilers are getting depth scoring the problem that a lot of people uh, have talked about and in a lot of the phone calls the depth scoring wasn't coming from certain players the Nugent Hopkins, the Everly, Lucic, Pouliot but another other players have stepped up and we saw that again tonight with the fourth line. This is back-to-back games the fourth line has scored. Hendricks uh, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. It probably shouldn't have gone in, but he scores and then Hendricks also creates the cleft bomb goal. A nice play to make David which eventually ended up on cleft bomb stick. So the Oilers are getting some depth scoring. And tonight was a huge game for two players who have been much maligned on the show and in the papers, both Nugent Hopkins and Everly. Both having goal and an assist, both factoring big time in the offensive part of the game. And hopefully, with them feeling good about themselves, and we talk about it, offensive players, when they feel good about themselves, when they gain confidence, all of a sudden their game starts to explode. Hopefully those two will explode on this next coming road trip. Yeah, Everly had gone uh, eight games without a point. Nugent Hopkins had gone seven games without a point, so they're both able to break through tonight. Eero Pakarinen has played just two games this season. He has an assist in both. He's on pace for an 82-point season. That's pretty good. He might want to get his agent on the line. <laughs> but, you know, an effective two games he's played as well. You know, he's a fourth-line guy that's just going to play the certain type of minutes that he does. But when he is out there, you notice him, whether it's finishing a check, driving the net, getting the pucks in deep. Those are the things that he has to do, and he has been good. As is often the case in a game that's a a three-goal difference going to the third period, the losing team winds up outshooting the winning team 36-25. The Flyers outshoot Edmonton largely because the shots were 16-7 Philly in the third. Cam Talbot again, I mean, three goals against, okay, fine, but uh, I mean, the saves were there when they needed to be made. uh, You know, the Oilers, I thought, Rob, got out of the first period with a 2-0 lead, even though it wasn't the the most responsible period that we've seen them play. There were some gaffes and some turnovers, and then don't forget, when it was 2-1 Philadelphia, 13.45 to go in the second period, Voracek, one of the best players on the Flyers, gets a breakaway. Yep. Talbot makes the save, and a minute three later, the Everly goal makes it 3-1. Well, the, to me, that's that was the game. The Philadelphia Flyers, and we've, we've talked about it a lot, when you're playing the second and back-to-back, there's a fatigue factor, but the fatigue doesn't set in if it is a close game, if you're hanging around, if you've got a lead. The Philadelphia Flyers have a breakaway. Their best offensive player with the puck on his stick. Talbot makes the save. Not only did the Oilers score right away, they scored two goals right away because Everly scored, and I believe right after it, they scored their second goal to make it 4-1. So instead of being 2-2 within two and a half minutes, it's now 4-1. Huge save by Cam Talbot, and we've seen this over and over and over again. He makes big saves when he has to. He looks calm and collected in there. It, he, he's never diving and trying to get back into position. 
position. He gives confidence to the players playing in front of him. Yeah, well, you make a great point about, and I know you've told the Tom Barrasso story a lot, where he says, you know, if I have to dive across the net to make a save, I've screwed up because yep. I've misread the play or I've gotten out of position. Having said that, every goal sometimes has to do it. But, I mean, you could watch a whole game of Talbot just stopping pucks mm -hmm. and then, you know, tell somebody from a TV station, okay, pick Talbot's two biggest saves, and you might be like, and that person might be like, well, I'm not sure because he just, he just blocks the puck or he just swallows up the puck, just very solid and in control. And, and what might allow him to be a guy that plays as many games as he's playing right now is the fact that he doesn't waste energy in a hockey game. And we've seen a number of goalies throughout the league, a number of goalies that have come through Edmonton, where at the end of the night, they're absolutely bagged because they're all over the place. And it's every save is like a five alarm. I mean, they're, oh my God, I got to dive this way, then I got to get back up, dive the other. He is so good positionally that you never ever see him having to, to make that lunge all the way from one side to the other because he's already, and this is what we've heard Jonathan Quick talk about, when I make that save where I get into the right position, it's not me guessing. I knew the puck was going there because I'm a student of the game. I know I read the play. I see where the best option is. I know where he's going to go with the puck. And Cam Talbot is very good at anticipating and getting in the right spot. Oilers win 6-3 over the Philadelphia Flyers. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll start off the phone calls with Cam tonight. Hello, Cam. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Man, this team is exciting. You know, I, I think we need grit on the back end. That was just my first question. I had a couple comments. Do you guys think we're gritty enough? Like, I know you guys like our back end. I like it too, but geez, could we get grittier back there, just a little bit grittier? I mean, any team, you look around the National Hockey League, you'd love to say, God, I'd love to have a big, grittier defenseman. Every team would say, or a big, grittier winger, or a big, stronger centerman. I... The Oilers are 10th in the National Hockey League. Their defense is the biggest reason. Defense and goaltending is the biggest reason they are where they are. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't change a thing with their defense. And I agreed. Bob and Jack talked about it. I think Jack's the one that came out and said, if you were at the trade deadline, you do not really need to tinker with this defense because there's about nine guys, possibly ten with Fane, that you can throw in there and feel very confident in them getting right. the job done. So I wouldn't do anything with the defense. And they'll be grittier when Nurse is healthy. So in a dream world, it would be nice, but we have to be realistic. I agree with that. That's a good point. It's awesome. So let's get to the toughness here. We're going through, like, on Twitter. And, Reed, we got to get you in. I'm, I'm just having fun with you. It would be nice to get some nibbles back from you once in a while. You you just kind of keep her calm on Twitter, eh? Well, Rob's, are you talking, Rob's not on. No, but you. you you're, uh, you. I love your site, for sure. It's great. I, I follow you, but... Um, we try to get you engaged once in a while, but I guess you're pretty focused and pretty busy. So, Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty quiet, and I'm fairly factual on Twitter most of the time. Yeah. It's, it's just simpler okay. that way. <laughs> but talking talking to lots of people on Twitter, like, there's such an awesome Oilers um, fan base and stuff, so, like, we all talk during the games. And some a few of the guys were going through tonight, and oh, actually some of the girls, too, and, and listing the number of guys who can get things done physically – and we're not just talking about, like, heavyweights. We're talking midweights. We're talking about... And then you start looking at guys like Slepeshev that threw some big hits. Maroon can throw big hits. Luchich can devastate guys with hits. Then you look at a guy like Dreisaitl. Even McDavid. Like, I mean, we're so strong physically that we can bring it. My final comment is, I think this is very similar. We talked about three or four weeks ago when I said you could see Nugent Hopkins and Eberle being more confident because because of the fact that there was more room and the other team was not pushing hard. I I don't know. You guys can all leave you with this, and Rob, you can decipher this because you know the game better than anybody I know. I think Philadelphia was physically terrified to be on the ice tonight. I think I, I, maybe it was just they didn't want to whip up the hornet's nest, but I just got the sense that that team did not even want to be in the building. I don't blame them. The way these guys are playing right now, I don't blame them. So that's my final comment. I'd be interested in hearing, Rob, did you see signs of Philadelphia just being completely passive and uh, completely soft tonight? So thank you. 
Um, I, I know that there's been games that we've watched the Oilers play this year, and there was a one against Anaheim when we talked about after the end of the game where the Oilers pushed the Ducks around, and that's something that we had never said here in, in a decade. The Oilers are physical, and you talked about the certain players. Slepyshev does throw his, his weight around. you got the usual guys, the Maroons, the Cassians. Uh, Hendricks had one shift where he just destroyed two guys. But you also look at a guy like Kajula who he knocked someone out of the game last game, which knocked Stone out of the game for a little while with a big hit. He's small, but he's got battle in him. So the Oilers can play a physical game, and they're going to have to, because if you're coming out of the Pacific Division, you're going through Anaheim and San Jose, two big physical teams that in the, the past have always uh, pushed the Oilers around. And the Oilers now are built better for that. As for whether the, the Flyers were intimidated by that, I don't know. I just don't think the Flyers are very good. I, I don't. I think they've got one line that is good. And on that line tonight, Giroux, I thought, was invisible. I didn't notice him. Uh, Voracek's playing by himself on the second line. And then after that, I mean, that Couturier, who he, a couple of years ago when they played the Penguins in the playoffs, you thought this kid's going to be a player. How he went right at uh, Malkin, how he went right at Crosby. He was terrible tonight. So they got a oh, couple good fours. They got the defense. The ghost is is a good defenseman. Outside of that, that is well, not Provorov's a good, pretty good. Oh, he's good. Sorry, a young kid that's going to be a very good player for a long time here. Outside of that, they're not good in the back end, and their goaltending's awful. So it is. It's not a good team. So I don't know if they were intimidated. But they were not in the game when the when the Oilers pushed. The Philadelphia Flyers had no match to it because they're not in the same league. I don't think as the Edmonton Oilers. Six three, the Oilers win it tonight. Connor McDavid with three points downstairs to hear from him, courtesy of GCL Diesel, serving oil country for forty five years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Well, Connor, lots was made of the whole Manny and that thing in the lead up to the game, but nice to be able to stick to the strips, the script, and uh, pick up the two points. No, it's good two points for us. Um, you know, big big points. Uh, they were big for both teams, and you know, we found a way to, to get two, and um, that helps a lot. What did you think of um, the Maroon Manny fight? Though? Yeah, Patty Patty uh, you know, did a great job. It was a big fight. A uh, couple of big boys going at it. So, um, you know, credit to both guys, but uh, you know, Patty definitely did a good job. Did you know that Crosby had passed you on the scoring lead early in the night? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. I saw that uh, he had his 1,000 point early on, and um, you know, that's obviously uh, you know, pretty cool for him. Nice to get that chemistry back with that brilliant you guys had uh, earlier in the season. Yeah, definitely nice to to you know hook up with Ebbs a, a few times uh, on goals, and um, you know, definitely uh, nice to have him back. Thanks. Reed, that's Connor McDavid. All right, Brendan Ulrich in the Oilers' room tonight. McDavid with 66 points, Crosby with 64. Both of them excellent tonight as their teams both win. The Penguins beat the uh, Jets 4-3 in overtime off the advantage trailer rental scoreboard. McDavid, the first star tonight. Hendricks with two points, the second star. Griba, the third star. He got an assist tonight. Fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. I mean, you can almost just well, pull a name out of the hat for the can. Oilers tonight. To me, though, I want to. There's been two guys that have been linked together all season long, as they've struggled this year. That's Nugent Hopkins and Aberly. I thought tonight they were both excellent. So I'm going to give them stars 4A and 4B. I thought they 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 pick their games up, and that's what the Oilers desperately need as they go on the road here. And uh, for all, all uh, you you already did a little bit, but uh, I thought Slepshev didn't get a point. He's he's coming around. You start to see more composure from him, and and I think the experience of playing in the in the league is starting to pay off. Uh, Fourteen minutes for Slepyshev tonight. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Colin on the phone line. Hello, Colin. Hello. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, this will be Colin. How you guys doing? Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Uh, well, several on the agenda, but uh, we can only do one at a time. Net minding, thank goodness. You know exactly what I'm getting at. And I went to the Arizona game. Uh, I believe it was February 2nd. Is that correct? Uh, well, they just played Arizona two days ago. No, it was, uh, yeah, but I meant like February 2nd. Oh, okay, in uh, in Arizona? No, here in Edmonton. Okay, I think it was before that, but anyway. The Nashville game was February 2nd. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm off a day, I guess. It's okay. uh, I love the new arena. I really do. 
but it feels like we're so distant from the players and everyone else around. We tried getting the wave going, and no one wanted to participate. We beat them three to one. I won uh, tickets. I had third row, and it just seems like an open area. I missed the tight compact of Northlands Coliseum. Is this a normal feeling for all these new buildings, or am I just out to lunch? Well, I, I don't travel it's so around. It's wide so open. I, I, I mean, I, I've only been in, uh, what, Montreal, which is a massive building. I've been to drafts in Philadelphia, Buffalo, and Sunrise. And trust me, I don't ever need to go to the building in Sunrise again because it's just it, – but, but I'm not sitting in the stands. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, this, this, is, a, this is a brand new building. It's state-of-the-art in a lot of ways uh i haven't sat in the crowd for a game so i don't really know i don't really really know what to tell you it was it seemed pretty exciting in here tonight well he's gone i guess okay <laughs> and i, I well and I, I honestly don't know how to answer that because i i feel like i i don't have the fan experience so for me to really comment on what a fan felt and tell him or her he's he's right i mean if that's their impression that's their impression i, mean, I can't argue with how they feel i agree i agree I'm, I'm we're we're eight stories up we see it from a different vantage point I, all i get it from is from my buddies and from my son my son's been to a number of games and loves the rink loves the seats enjoys himself when he comes here but that's i'm getting that second hand from a 15 year old that just enjoys coming to hockey games. Yeah. So, but uh, it was a, it was pretty loud tonight, especially as the Oilers put six on the board. Or you're going to hear from Patrick Maroon, who got in that fight tonight. We'll have post game reaction from the Flyers as well. Oilers win it six three. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Center. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Center. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad Al Maroon and. Manning wrestle one more time, and Maroon pancakes him. Big win for Patrick Maroon. Maroon versus Manning in the second period. Of course, Brandon Manning wearing the black hat coming into this game because of his feud with Connor McDavid. McDavid with three points. Oilers win it 6-3. Here's Manning, courtesy of Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. How tough was it to be Brandon Manning in this building tonight, knowing probably what was coming all day? Um, didn't bother me. I mean, went through the first period, it was fine. I mean, um, you know, I, I'm not scared of fighting. It was just a matter of time. Um, picked my spot. So, um, you know, I wasn't really too worried or thinking about that too much today. It seemed from upstairs that you probably didn't want to fight them right away because you'd be playing into their game and eventually you just have to at some point. Yeah, I think answer. so. Is that how that works? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to go on their terms. I mean, um, that's just not what I'm going to go out and do. I'm going to go out and play hockey. Um, you know, I've been playing well. I feel good. So to go out and fight just for the sake of fighting isn't isn't what I'm about. So we're down 4-1. There was an opportunity there, and um, Maroon is willing, so we take it. Really it's about a year-and-a-half-long type of grudge. Do you feel that that's, it's over now? It should be over and there's finality to it? Let's hope so. <laughs> I'd, I'd love that. Um, no, I mean, Connor didn't say a word on the ice today. I think even their guys, you know, Patrick said good job after, I think. Um, you know, we do the same thing if one of our superstars got hurt. So, you know, I understand it. I mean, just the chirping and the nonstop stuff kind of gets a little annoying. But, uh, like I said, we see these guys twice a year. So, we'll focus on the playoff push now and um, try and get back on track in Vancouver. Retreat of something you were expecting? and something that you were prepared for today? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, I thought the fans would be a little worse and a little harder on me, but, I mean, that's sports and that's hockey, and um, you kind of take it in stride and try and enjoy it as much as you can. Who would you have here for family? Uh, my parents are here, my sister. i got a few buddies in town and cousins and aunts, so um, pretty close to home, so it's a nice road trip for me. Does that make it any different when you're playing that game and doing, dealing with this stress, knowing that all those eyes are up there too? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, I appreciate afterwards when you get to see them and hang out with them and, um, you know, enjoy that kind of part of it. But once you're on the ice, hockey's hockey, and um, I think that's the way it should be, and, you know, I think it'll stay like that now. Did the Cassian jab you with a stick from the bench? No. No. Did anybody take a shot at you? No. There was a few words exchanged, but no one threw their stick out or anything, no. Look like Maroon said something to you in warm-ups. Uh, is that true or not? Yeah, I kind of came near the red line and said a few words, but, um, you know, I kind of expected that, and, you know, that's the way it is. I know I fought him last year, so um, it was only a matter of time, I think, tonight. You guys weren't teammates, were you? No. 
All right, that is uh, Brandon Manning from the Philadelphia Flyers. He he uh, seems pretty uh, pretty cool with everything that that uh, the, the, that happened. I'm sure he'll be booed in Edmonton for the rest of his career. Fans here have long memories and uh, and know who is on the ice and and how they want to treat them. But uh, I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, it, it's dealt with it. He went he went with Maroon. And I think from uh, from his comments there, he un- he understood everything that that I guess needed to happen, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think more was made of it in the press than really was uh, needed. Uh, did he? I, there was no way he intended to hurt Connor McDavid last year. He may have said something to that to that tune when they played each other, which would be a little classless if you say something when someone got injured. But there's no way he intentionally hurt someone. I mean, he's not a good enough player to be able to make that decision with Connors coming that fast. I don't know if any player can make that decision. So uh, the the fight happened. Uh, the Oilers didn't worry too much about it the entire night. Uh, they did what they needed to do, was that was get two points here on home ice before a tough road trip starts. So uh, it was a good game. The, the fight happened. It's done with. And uh, now going forward, we probably don't have to listen to two or three days of media going at what's Connor going to do this day with against Manning and who's going to step up. Simply let Connor be Connor, which is being the best player on the ice each and every night. All right. The goal scorers tonight for the Oilers, Hendricks, Eberle, Nugent Hopkins, Clefbaum, McDavid and Dreisaitl as they win 6-3 over the Philadelphia Flyers. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We have Tony on the line. Hello, Tony. Hello. I just want to ask you guys a quick question here. So based on how we are doing right now, how many games or how many points estimate do we need to win before we clinch a playoff spot for the first time? Well, I mean, you're looking at probably at least 24 to 28 well, I mean, so 20, 20, at the 90s, 24, like about point, the 90s? 24 points gets you to 94. Uh, okay. I mean, they, they have a 10-point cushion on the Kings right now. I mean, here's, here's the thing with, with the, the playoff structure and, and clinching. Sometimes even really good teams don't actually totally clinch a playoff spot till there's five, six, seven games left in the season. They might have a lead, and it might be inevitable, but for it to mathematically be clinched, uh, can take a while. I, I think the way things are going. Sorry, Rob. This nope. I know I'm talking a lot here. I mean, LA is at 60 with 27 games left, so they have 54 <clears throat> available points. So they can get a, a hundred and right. So say they got. Points. So say they got 34. See, that's why you can't really guess because yeah. you don't know. I, I think if the Oilers get to 95 or more, they're in pretty good shape. Yeah. And the, the way. So do you th- do you guys think we'll make it this year at all, or do you think it's well, still... it Tony? Be, Tony, what do you think? Come it, on, it'd be a colossal. Well, I'm I'm honestly hoping. I haven't seen it since 2006. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, they're 10 points ahead of of the playoff cut line. They're yeah. twelve. They're twelve games over five hundred. So it, just put it this way: If what do the Oilers have right now? Twenty-four games left. If they were to go five hundred the rest of the season, which is not a good run for them, that's twenty-four more points. That gives them a hundred. That gives them ninety-four points. The LA Kings would need thirty-four points. They would have to go what seventeen and well, they got seventeen and eight the remainder of the year. They'd have to go seventeen and ten. Seventeen and ten. So seventeen and ten. So they, if the Oilers just go five hundred then the uh, L.A. Kings would have to be seven games over 500 just to tie them. So that's how it works. So it, it's hard to it's hard to put a number on it. I mean, the Oilers could have seven games left and be 13 points up. And you wouldn't and be clinched. You wouldn't be clinched because the L.A. could go 7-0 and, and the Oilers could go 0-7. So mm-hmm. if the Oilers do not make the playoffs where they sitting where they are right now in the standings, it would be a colossal fail, failure. Yes. Because they are positioned very well right now. And it would be a shock if they weren't playing into April. Seven eight. So, uh, sorry, Tony. Go ahead. Season basically, like we'd be clinching last game of the season, possibly. Oh, possibly. We sure. Could, we could clinch sometime in March. We could clinch at the end of the season. It's it's hard to say. It all depends. There's 26, 27 games left for some of these teams. It, it's hard to say what they're going to do in those 27 games. All right, that was Tony, 780-496-0063. Scott, you're going to be up next, but we're going to go back downstairs. Patrick Maroon is standing by, courtesy of GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine parts at wholesale prices. And then you start making plays that you shouldn't be making, and sometimes you get away from your game. So I thought the third period, they came out. Obviously, we knew they were going to come out like that. So I thought it was a pretty good game. 
12, uh, 12 different players hit the score sheet tonight. So talking about the balance that you guys have been looking for in, in the, the attack. Yeah, it's good. You know, our fourth line's been one of our best lines, and it's it's good that they're getting rewarded right now. And you know what? As cliche as it sounds, but down the playoffs, our fourth line is probably going to be it's going to be our most important line, I think. And those are the guys that chip in and get the big goals, and they grind it down low, and it starts with them. And I thought we followed them. I thought Handy, Testy, and Pack had a really strong game again tonight, and, and everyone followed them, their lead. Uh, you know what? Early in the first period. Yeah, early, then I just dropped it. You know, it's one of those things. I don't. It, it's over. It's done with now. He... He's a, he plays the game really strong, and he plays the game hard. And um, you know, we had our we had our fight, and it's over. It's done with the. You know, it was a good fight, and and uh, obviously uh, we're gonna drop it now for Hero now. So <laughs> that's it. You figured though you had to do something. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Listen, you know what? Like I said before. I'm a guy that's going to stick up for my teammates, but I'm going to do it the right way. I'm not going to go out there and cheap shot someone or go out there and, you know, jump a guy. You know, if he, he knew, he asked me to go, and I said, yeah, I'll go you, and that was it. You know, he, listen, he plays the game hard. you got to tip, tip his your cap sometimes, you know. Some words were exchanged, and, you know, sometimes, you know, you hear those things, and you want to stick up for your teammates, and especially your captain. And, you know, if it wasn't me, I'm sure it would have been someone else. So, you know, it's over, it's done with, and it was a good fight, and I think that was it. No one wanted to do anything dirty. No one wanted to talk. We just, I think people just wanted to get it over with. It sounds like you have a level of respect for him as well. Yeah, I do. For going. Yeah, for going. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's hard. You know, you, you do something like, you do something... Uh, you know, and you don't, there's going to be guys, you know, talking and, and he knew and, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough job. You know, fighting's not easy and especially when, you know, going into a game, you know, you're, you're kind of biting at the bit that you might have to, you might not. So, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, you know, I respect him. You know, it's over. You know, Connor's a really good kid. Uh, I think he knows it's over now and, you know, we're, everyone's going to move forward and move forward from this and and that's it you know uh everyone both teams played really strong read that's patty maroon all right thanks brendan patrick maroon another effective game for him he has enjoyed playing with uh connor mcdavid he gets two assists tonight gets in a fight the oilers win 6-3 over the flyers just uh quickly did the math here the oilers if they play at the same points percentage they've been at so far over their last 24 games, they'll finish with 98 or 99 points, and they'd be in the playoffs if, if that happened, if they if they keep going at that pace. All right, Scott, Jim, and Dave up next on the phone line. You'll hear from Oilers head coach Todd McClellan as well. A 6-3 Oilers victory. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Live from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Set up by Kachula, now a point shot. Grab it, deflected home. Nugent Hopkins had the screen in front, and Edmonton builds a 4-1 lead. All right, Nugent Hopkins gets credit for that one. Went off him in front just a minute 15 after Jordan Eberle had made it 3-1. The Oilers took control of the game there. Didn't look back, beating the Philadelphia Flyers 6-3. I encourage you to go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com and print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. We turn on the Japanese Village goal light whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, and they do it two consecutive consecutive games. They go 2-1 and one on their three-game homestand. Six-game road trip starts Saturday in Chicago. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It's 10:50. Thanks for tuning in. 780-496-0063 is the open line number, and here is Scott. Scott, thank you for calling. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are we using the swear word of playoffs in this city right now? I, I, I think that's what I've heard a couple of times, which I'm all for. I mean, I'm, I'm in the season ticket holder pack, and there was a guy in our pack who said, hold on, should we start talking about playoffs? And I immediately shut it down right away. I was like, nope, we're not, we're not talking about this. We will talk to you in March. And March is coming, which is, which is a great thing. But comments on 
the other caller who kind of talked about how the building is a little quiet, and, and you guys can't, you guys can't really comment towards that, but to be honest, it's going to take a playoff run or a playoff game to get that building bumping. And it could happen this year. Uh, there is still a lot of hockey to play, and a lot of teams have blown uh, wins like this. And they still have three games left against Los Angeles. And Los Angeles wins all three of those in regulation, which isn't outside this world. We, we're now talking about a different story. You know what? L.A. could catch the Oilers, and that still doesn't mean they're not making the playoffs. Absolutely. So, no, 100%, I 100% agree. But when you start blowing games, you know, against L.A., you know, and then how many do they have against San Jose? Do they have two? Yes. Okay, so there's two against San Jose. There's two. They there's... play pretty good against them, and, yeah. and the big ones are Anaheim, right? And there are still games against them as well. Yeah, but all the other teams that are the all the other teams in the Western Conference are still playing all these same teams as well. Absolutely, and the and Oilers have got a ten point lead on all the other teams. And they play exactly. Colorado twice, and they play Vancouver three times. Yeah, and we hope Colorado. Those are free spots on the bingo board. Which is, we were the free spot on the bingo board at one point in time. It's their turn to be free spot on the bingo board. So you know, and I get that. Those those just, those wins should just down down so i mean you're right if they play with the same percentage they're in the playoffs i just <laughs> it's so surreal to me that after you know nine years or ten years of of dealing with with absolute misery that we're actually talking about playoffs in february so i'm a happy oiler fan tonight here we go all right thanks scott we appreciate it Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the phone number we have jim up next on the line hey jim thanks for calling how's it going good I'd just like to give the uh, Oilers organization kudos uh, for giving the fans uh, something to believe in that they haven't had for 10 years. Yeah, you're enjoying the season, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest reason for the turnaround, Jim? I I think uh, the the players are buying into what Mr. Torelli and... and, uh, um, Mr. Mc- McLean, or, or sorry, our coach. Um, I think they're buying into what they're, you know, they're saying and say, "Look, guys, you know, let's just take this one game at a time, and we're going to come out on top." And look what's happening. No, I agree. I think that the the Oilers put a plan in place. Their GM came in. We have a plan. This is the type of team we want to build. The coach came out and he said, all right, this is what has failed in the past with the way this team played, so we're going to put a plan in place how this team is going to play. And then the players decided, well, you know what, we got to we got to start taking ownership on what has happened in the past. They brought in a bunch of character-type players, and they changed the culture in the dressing room. So it started with the GM and went through the coach, and the players are buying in. And now this is, a, I mean, I don't think it's any aberration where the Oilers are in the standings. I think they're exactly where they belong. They're a team that, uh, outside of maybe two or three games this year where they laid an egg, for the most part have been pretty consistent. They don't normally blow teams out, but they're never, ever out of a hockey game. And if you are close, if your goaltender gives you a chance, and you've got Connor McDavid on your team, and now a lot more to if you've got Leon Dreisaitl on your team, you always have a chance. And Cam Talmer has given them the opportunities, and their top two point getters have given the off given them the offense they've needed. All right, Jim, you're going to finish the play. You've already won an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. If you're correct here, you'll be entered into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire experience integrity. Let's see what Kellen Kennedy has cooked up tonight. Neutral zone faceoff. Philadelphia with a flub by Belmar leading to a rush for Dreisaitl. Down the left side. Rich shot. Okay. Uh, second period, I believe, Rob. Uh, chance for Dreisaitl. Rich shot. I think he scores. No. No. Oh, well. I tried. Vote again. Try Neutral. Again. What's your final Neutral vote? zone faceoff. Philadelphia with a flub by Belmar leading to a rush for Dreisaitl. Down the left side. Rich shot off the post and somehow it stayed out. I heard him say no I thought at he some did. point. It so sounded I, like he said no I, to me. I think he's in the grand prize draw. And just going a little bit further on what we've been talking about, the playoff push, the L.A. 
Kings down 3-1 midway through the third period to the Arizona Coyotes. So there you go. That'll, that'll help out a little bit. You know, Rob, we got a break for the 11 o'clock news here in a minute. Dave, you're going to be up next on the phone lines, and we still have Coach Todd McClellan coming up. I, I understand... I, I understand why fans are, are are being cautious about it, and and, and Rob, I, I I hope you and I don't sound like we're being cocky or overly optimistic. It, it just comes down to mathematics, mm-hmm. and, and to me, it comes down to the I, I, just how the team has played. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the the long the 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 dry patches haven't lasted as long as the good runs. I, I have been saying all along that February could be a tough month. Mm-hmm. They they may wind up going 500 or even a little bit under in the month of February. They're 3-3 three and three right now with six games left on the road. But then they have a bunch of home games in March. I, so To me, I'm the opposite. I'm like, start taking advantage. Start talking playoffs. You haven't been able to talk about playoffs for 10 years. Start living it up now in February. I mean, if something horrible happens and it doesn't happen, well, at least you'll have had two and a half months of fun. So let's start enjoying it. Let's start talking playoff hockey. Well, let's face it. If the Oilers had been a perennial playoff team, fans would be calling in and saying, what do we have to do to make up the four points to win the division? And not what can go wrong for for us to miss the playoffs. So that's they're only they're four points behind San Jose for first in yeah. the division. Let's talk about how they make up that ground as opposed to who who may have a long shot of catching them. That's how I look at it anyway. Oilers win six three tonight. McDavid three points. He leads the NHL in scoring. Uh, Dave is up next on the phone lines. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Inside Philadelphia territory, cleared by Gudis, it got past Grima, racing in Voracek, reach shot denied! Tim Talbot, a huge save to keep Voracek scoreless in his last nine games. 13.46 to go, second period, and Talbot with a clutch stop. No doubt about it. That kept it 2-1 for the Oilers. Shortly after that, they would score two goals in a minute 15 and go on to beat the Philadelphia Flyers 6-3. That was Talbot's save of the game for Armor Insurance. Complete a free quote for a $10 Tim card at armorinsurance.ca. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for joining us. We are up top, Rogers Place. I, I see uh, Garth Brooks down on the ice now setting up his stage. Yeah, look at him. I, All by himself. That, well, he, that's how that's hard he how, works. That's how he saves. He can charge so cheap for the tickets because he does his own um, concert uh, stage b- building. And, oh, look, there's Trisha's out there helping too. Well, that's nice. His wife's there with him. Yeah, it's a family thing. Just yeah. just the two of them. 780-496-0063. We'll go to Dave on the line. Dave, thank you for calling. Hey, no problem. Last time Garth was in town, I think that's when we made the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while for that too, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, hey, I've been listening to you guys for, I think, uh, since 1983 when I was in diapers with shorts and tensor. Now you guys. Um, I listened to the guy, Scott kind of took my thunder. He, uh, the guy mentioned how the rink is quiet. Yeah, no kidding. We've, uh, we've been through a lot for the last... 20 years people are like oh the last 10 no man if you've been a true fan we had one run one true run and we've been waiting so long and we got so so lucky with mcdavid and now we're watching this team yeah let's get excited but we are reserved because we've been beaten hard man so you sit there these kids these guys who buy the tickets they're not 40 like us or, or whatever you are, but they're, they're younger, right? So they're watching this team. Yeah, they're going to sit on their hands, you know? Yeah, well, you know, and I always say that, too, when, when people say whether it's Edmonton or somewhere else, well, the building is quite well. I, I always say it, it starts with the quality of the team. You know, that, that, and some maybe fan bases are known for being a little more boisterous than others. I mean, I know Chicago. in the NFL... I know, I know in the NFL, the Seattle has a reputation for being loud, and I've been to games in that stadium. I can also, though, remember when I was a kid in the 1980s when the Seahawks weren't very good, 
no one talked about the, the kingdom being being that. Was that what the old one was? Yes. The kingdom. Yeah. So why, yeah. Do you, why do you look at the old guy sitting across from you when you ask about some history lesson? Well, you have a good memory. No, I have a horrible memory. Stuff. Now you're lying. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't. Well, I can imagine it, but it's it's going to be a new level when you're in the playoffs. When every every bounce of the puck could change yeah. a series, every penalty could change a series, every body check could change the complexion of the whole series. So, yeah, I, I do think yeah. when we get there, it's it's going to be pretty incredible. I like what Scott mentioned. He's like, yeah, you, you gotta you gotta make the playoffs. Yeah, you gotta marinate that place, right? Like in the '06 playoffs. Oh my God, that was amazing, right? So if we we should, like Rob, you're saying, we should make it. I, I, nothing that I've seen this year says that we shouldn't, except like the skid we had after that first start, and everybody jumped off the wagon, right? But after that, we were we've been pretty damn good. No, I mean the the Oilers where they sit in the standings proves that they're they're a top ten team in the National Hockey League. They are, I believe, the story of the NHL from where they've been for the last decade. The Oilers are the story. And, and lastly, um, Reed and Rob, for years I've been listening to you guys, and I appreciate it. And uh, this was my first time calling in, so it's kind of exciting. And have a great night, guys. Yeah, well, we hope we, you can call again, Dave. We're always happy to when, when people call in for sure. 780-496-0063. The Oilers with 31 wins and 70 points matches their totals in those categories from all of last season, which is... <laughs> uh, an equal comment on this year and and last year. Uh, in terms of points, they're actually tied for eighth. Montreal, Anaheim, and Edmonton all have 70, 70 points. Uh, when you do apply the tiebreakers, though, the Oilers are 10th. So e- either way, uh, they're in the top 10 of the NHL, three points ahead of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. Calm, and I think it's simply that the matching your point total from an 82 game season in game 58 the following year. And we've talked about the adjustments that have led to that quite a bit over the last few weeks for sure. Um, the 6 3 is the final score tonight. Leon Dreisaitl, uh Rob Potts, his 22nd goal of the year. He, he leads the team in goal scoring. That goal was scored, and we, we, talked, we talked before the game you don't want to give the Flyers a power play. Uh, the Oilers killed off the first two. They did get one, but we said if the, most of this game is played at even strength in long stretches, that should benefit the Oilers. That was actually a four-on-four stretch mm-hmm. and a play the Oilers executed perfectly. Uh, they did. It, the, you, you practice throughout the year. You practice a number of different face-off plays in different situations depending on who's on the ice with you, and, and that's simply what that was. They had a face-off play, and the play was to hit Dreisaitl going back door. Good play by Benning, putting it hard and on the ice for Drysdale. Drysdale did not have to move his stick, and still you need strength. Uh, Drysdale had good strength on the stick because if that stick opens up in the least, that puck flutters and goes into the corner. So good on him. Big goal at the time for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, it was a game that, I mean, there was a couple lapses at the beginning of periods where the Oilers weren't great, but it's a game that I think they needed to play. They were very disciplined. They went out and played 5-on-5 five five hockey, and if you look at the two lineups, the Edmonton Oilers stack up so much better than the Philadelphia Flyers 5-on-5. Five five. And the Oilers' better players were the better players. Their goalie was the better goalie. It was a good night for the Oilers. All right, let's go downstairs. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. In the buildup of the game, but nice to see the team stick to the script and pick up the two points. Uh, I'm sorry that Manning... No, this, lots was made up in the lead-up to the game, of course, but just nice to see the team, you know, stick to the script and pick up the two points. Yeah, I, I said it this morning when we had our media scrum, the game's the important part, and just play hockey and worry about the game, and that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to talk about the other stuff. Um, you know, we, we scored goals tonight, which was great, but I didn't think we were uh, exceptionally sharp in a lot of the other areas of the game. So um, tonight, our offense got us through it. And, um, you know, a week or ten days ago, we really had a lack of offense that was uh, was not there to get us through these kind of games. So we'll take that tonight. And, but we're uh, certainly going to need to improve if uh, we're going to beat our next opponent. 
you talked earlier this week about Dugan Hopkins, Everly, and Lucic, and if you could get those guys going, it would almost be like a trade deadline acquisition. The last few games, Everly's had a lot of good chances. Even tonight, we saw him kind of getting back to having confidence and stick handling around guys. Are you starting to see maybe signs that those three are coming back? Uh, yeah, I am. Um, you know, and we're, again, we're going to need them. Obviously, you have to score tonight, and uh, he was around the net a lot. Um, I thought he was. We just used the word feisty tonight. He was uh, even when he wasn't near the net and wasn't playing offense. He was good along the boards. He uh, he had a grit element to his game. Nuge a couple helpers. Uh, Luch had some chances. Um, you know, I got it, he got caught up a little bit with stick and feet, and, but he had some opportunities. So um, you know, offensively we had. Uh, plenty. It was some other areas of the game we needed to improve in. Speaking of offense, Oscar Clefbaum you know, just continues to give you a lot more offense from the back end. He's up, I think, top seven when it comes to goals from defensemen. Still a young guy, only 160-some games in his career. Where do you see his offensive potential being? I think it's quite high. He hasn't reached a ceiling yet. As you mentioned, 100 and however many games. Um, he's still a very young defenseman that's learning how and when to do things on the ice. Um, I believe he's defending better. Um, you know, remember last year at this time what he was going through, he, had, he got his hopes up high and then they dwindled. Uh, hopes up high again, then he was shut down for the year. So he's had to overcome a lot mentally and find his game again. Um, I think he's a tremendous player that we're going to be happy with for many years. You talk about you weren't happy maybe with defensive zone. Is it just the execution? Was it the focus? Uh, I saw a few obviously just kind of giveaways where you had the puck and just tossed it away. I wasn't overly pleased with our neutral zone. I thought they came through the neutral zone and forced us to play in our end um, a lot. And then um, when we did defend well, we got the puck and we seemed just to give it back to them. I don't know what we ended up with giveaways. It had to be in the 20s at least, which was a high number. Um, a lot of times we had it, we gave it right back to them and started over again. So we got some, uh, you know, some extra time in our zone. Uh, we didn't break out clean enough. Um, so it'll give us a focus tomorrow in practice and um, obviously have to get better as we move forward. And you start the trip in Chicago. They're coming off that five-day break, which for most teams around the league have struggled in that first game. How do you take advantage of it on Saturday? Well, let's hope that theory uh, continues. Um, you know, we've got to get our... I'm not going to worry about or we're not going to worry about what Chicago will be or won't be because we've got to show them the utmost respect. Um, they will be, we have to assume they'll be as sharp as they possibly will uh, or have been all year. They'll be rested. Their goaltender will be ready to go. They're playing at home. Uh, that's what we have to prepare for. If we get anything different, then great. But uh, obviously we weren't very good last time we played against them. We've had one good night, one poor night against them. We'd like to, to finish the season series on a positive note. Apart from the pretext to this game, did you get a sense that Connor has some kind of sense for the occasion again here tonight? Um, you know, a big um, Crosby preceded him earlier in the evening. It's becoming routine for him. And I think the more we're around him, the more numb we, we, uh, we come to those uh, performances as just expected. We probably talk about um, his lack of production performances more now than we will about the three-point nights because they, they just happen. Uh, but I thought he rose to the occasion. I thought, uh, again, Ebbs played well. Patty Maroon had a pretty good game around him. So that line stepped up and and uh, provided us a good game. Well, here's the thing, too. When the Oilers came out of the break and wanted to get back to trying to score a little bit more, and Matt Hendricks said it well, you know, we're not going to the net because we're not putting the puck there. You have to go hand-in-hand. Hand. If a guy looks up, and sees no traffic or nobody to pass to in front. He's he's probably not as inclined to, to look for it. Well, what happened on, on some of the goals today? We mentioned the four-on-four goal. Dreisaitl goes to the net. Uh, Benning puts it there. Eberly was uh, The Eberly goal was created after a long session of forechecking, and he got a rebound and lifted it in. Nugent Hopkins, I don't even think Nuge was sure he scored, but he's standing right in front of the goaltender, hits the defenseman's leg, hits his leg, and goes in. Then the Clefbaum goal was a long shot, but there was a traffic around the net, and it was after a long session of forechecking. The, the final goal, the McDavid goal, was off the rush. Uh, the first goal, the Hendricks goal, was one I'm sure Neuvert wants back. But, uh, but I mean, they, they set a goal of of get yourself 
to the front of the net, and that led to a couple of goals that, you, you know, I know you don't like when I call them garbage goals. The the, the, le- the less poetic goals, shall we say, Rob Brown. Well, uh, the the hard worked, hard working goals, the the goals that you earn. I've said it before. I was talking with Drew Ramondo at one point. I said, uh, goal scoring has to hurt in the National Hockey League because if you if you're paying the price in front of the net to score a goal, then it was well worth it. Uh, the Oilers at times in the past have been a perimeter hockey club, and I think that those perimeter teams will have. You know, every once in a while they'll have that big game where they, they, they score seven where the, go- the goalie has an off night and everything seems to go in for you. But over the course of a season, a perimeter team is not going to have a lot of success. And we saw that for, for a decade. So what did the Oilers do? They went out and got guys that go to the net, that make their living in front of Lucic, Cassian, a Maroon. Those guys go to the net. Uh, the, you look at their fourth line, the Pacarena and Latestu, Hendricks, guys that score all the goals, all the goals that those guys score, especially five on five, are, are, are right in around the area. And if everyone else is going to the net, the players who had been perimeter players before see the success that they're having, now they get drawn to the net. And for the Oilers to be successful, A, it's to make the playoffs, but B, to, to continue on that, is you're going to have to go through Anaheim, you're going to have to go through San Jose. Those are big hockey clubs. They are big teams that are physical. They're battle-ready for playoffs, and they know how to. Uh, they know what it takes to score in the it come playoff time. They know how to win a one-nothing game. They know how to, to to wear you down. And the Oilers have got to be able to bring their game to that level. And they're seeing it this season because a number of their games have been one-goal games. They've been games. They've been up or down, going by one going into the third. They found ways to win those hockey games by playing big, heavy type of hockey. Something the Oilers haven't done in a decade. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Oilers improved to thirty one nineteen and eight on the season. We'll say good evening to Rocket. Hey, Rocket. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. I um, just wanted to to, to uh, talk about. Um, I lost my train of thought here. Sorry, boys. Um, I just wanted to talk about uh, the uh, depth in the scoring and how that's going to translate into the playoffs. Like, this team has played in a lot of close games and in, in, in 2-1 games and 3-2 games where they've had one-line scoring. And 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 you see the results in a, in a game like today against Philadelphia. Even though they, they played back-to-back, you had, like, the Hendricks line scoring and all four lines scoring and and what that translates to at the end of the game in, in terms of the scoreboard. You know, you're, you're putting up six on the board instead of two or three. So uh, moving forward, I, I hope uh, like Everlay and Nugent Hopkins can be kind of like the sleepers in all of this and, and really have like a, a solid uh, end of the year and, and maybe... Uh, realize what kind of meaningful games that they're actually playing in right now well i I think they do i i don't think they came into the season to have the off seasons that they are they're having i think a bunch of different things have happened all of a sudden not being the go-to guys bad puck luck i mean there was a stretch where jordan everly was was playing well and he was hitting posts he was going over the open nets goalies were making huge saves on him and then the confidence starts to wane if everly and nugent hopkins get to where they can be and that's the thing they don't have to be better than they've been in the past they just have to be where they were before if they get there that makes this team a better hockey club because they are not the main ingredients i mean ryan nugent hopkins is the team's third line center now they can put him up and, and move dry side of the wing but if you're looking at depth he's their third line center and this is a guy that's been the first line center here for a few years so they are capable of doing better than they've shown hopefully tonight is a uh maybe a bounce for the rest of the season for them and they can get going where they need to be and if they can and you've got dry and mcdavid who have been consistent all season long all of a sudden the oilers are a team that you're going to fear if you play in the first round because they got great goaltending and they've got players that are capable of putting the puck in the net Thanks, Rocket. Good to hear from you. 780-496-0063. Nugent Hopkins and Everly each with a goal and an assist tonight. Connor McDavid finishes with a goal and two assists as the Oilers take down the Philadelphia Flyers 6 
three. You'll hear from their head coach, Dave Haxtall. When we get back, it's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. From the a 6-3 win for the Oilers Center. over the Philadelphia Flyers. They led it 2-0 after the first, 5-2 after two. Edmonton going 2-1 and one on its three-game homestand. The coach of the Flyers, Dave Haxtall, for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Dave, would you... Um Start what did you think of how Brandon Manning handled himself tonight? Well, as you'd expect. He's, I mean, he's first class and, uh, you know, in terms of uh, competitor and old school, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, old school mentality, you know, there's nobody better than Brandon in that, uh, in that regard. Is this necessarily fair or is this just how hockey works sometimes? Um, the treatment he got tonight, he was public enemy number one, whether he deserved it or not. Well, that's hey, um, that's that's hockey. You know, it, like I said, we we know who Brandon Manning is, and anybody that's spent any time around him um, knows that. Uh, you know, in terms of, uh, like I said, the honor of the game, there's nobody that's uh, you know in front of the line and you know before him. He's uh, he's first class, and you know what? He went on battled hard, played a heck of a game tonight, and did everything that uh, that he needed to do. How? How much of a factor was it when you reduced the 10 fours there? I mean, yeah, you, you... it's it's a definitely it's a factor, um, you know, and that's the risk. You know, I made the decision to go with seven defensemen and, and 11 forwards tonight, and um, you know, the one risk that you run is uh, is exactly what happened tonight. You know, we lost uh, we lost Jordan in the in the second half of the first period, um, and you know that that puts our forwards you know in a uh, in a hard situation. They you know they they battled awful hard through it. Why did you do it if you wanted to get uh, those so, out of some work? Several reasons. Um, you know, I felt like, A, I felt like we, you know, we had a lot of uh, a lot of energy up front. I wasn't concerned, you know, about our group up front. Um, wanted to make sure that uh, uh, coming into, uh, you know, a game that I thought, you know, there'd be a fair bit of speed in this game just to make sure that we had good energy on the back end uh, and, and allow us an opportunity also to, to get uh, DZ back in the lineup after, uh, you know, about three weeks here. Can you talk about the change on the power play? Yeah, we just wanted to change it up uh, a little bit with a couple different looks. We, you know, we, uh, um, you know, we had a couple setups that we liked for both units, um, you know, and uh, obviously that, you know, that that changed with also with Wheeler going out of the game, um, but uh, you know in the third period you know we come to a critical situation we wanted to go back to obviously a very familiar group they went out and they got the job done they made a you know made a heck of a play and uh, you know put us put us right there uh, with uh, with you know with enough time left in this game Dave Haxtell is the coach of the Philadelphia Flyers Scott Johnson former team teammate of mine where I believe I was with the India Indianapolis ice I think that's where I played with them oh, I can't wow. remember but great guy really really good guy coached at uh, North Dakota, so mm -hmm. he coached uh, Drake Kajula, obviously, and uh, the Oilers beat Hackstall's team 6-3 tonight. The three stars, McDavid, Hendricks, and Griba, and as Rob and I mentioned earlier, a, a lot of choices. Uh, Everly had two points. Hendricks had two points. Nugent Hopkins, two points. McDavid, three. The shots were 36-25 for Philly in the end. Camp Talbot gets the win, making 33 saves. All right, here's the road trip for the Oilers. Chicago, Tampa, Florida, Washington, Nashville, and St. Louis. It it's not an easy road trip, and I know that Bob and Jack talked about Florida. That's where you can pick up a couple points. Uh, it, it's tough, and it starts off with a tough win in Chicago. But I can tell you, if they're able to go into Chicago and win a hockey game there, that will just do incredible things for their confidence for the remainder of this road trip. So uh, you don't want to look past that. It's going to be an exciting game. I think the Oilers are playing very well right now. The Chicago Blackhawks are the class and have been the class of this league for a number of years. Uh, now we're getting into The Oilers have played a lot of games in late February, March in the last few years. None of them have mattered. Now the Oilers are playing important games at an important time of the year. It'll be interesting to see how they react to them. Yeah, six games left in February for the Oilers so far this month. They're three and three. So if they can, uh, you know, get up to six wins in a month with a lot of road games that position themselves well going into March where they play. <laughs> it's just a crazy schedule. They play only two road games in all of March. They have an eight-game homestand, two away, and then three more at home. Oh, it's funny. We're looking at the calendar right now. All the red, and that's for a home home game for us, or orange. I got bad eyes. But the only two away games, 
are back-to-back games on the road. That's right. In Anaheim and in Colorado. Yeah, a month away, March 22nd, 23rd. All right, so yeah, the next game in Chicago, 3.30 face-off show on Saturday. They'll drop the puck at 5. Of course, we have it for you on 6.30. Jet. Rob, I'll see you then. Looking forward to it. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Troy Bowler is our engineer here at Rogers Place. You can get more on this game and on the Oilers on 630Ched.com. More on the Eskimos there as well. They made a couple of more free agent signings today. Your Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. Coyotes over the Kings 5-3. Islanders beat the Rangers 4-2. Senators shut out the Devils 3-0. Penguins beat the Jets 4-3 in overtime. Sabres 2. Avalanche nothing. Blues edge the Canucks 4-3. Wild beat the Stars 3-1. And here at Rogers Place, Oilers over the Flyers 6-3. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perandish Team Broadcast Center. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night.